marriages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Burt to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, welcome to the LM Experience. Today is episode th- 43. Episode what? <laughs> <laughs> episode 43, LSG, of, of season two. Series two, oh, Martin. Series, two. series uh, how many times okay. have I got to tell well, you? Every time we do an episode, I tell you, that's when you're going to do it. Um, right, I've got to crack on. I want to squeeze as much of the 18 minutes out with this guest as possible because <laughs> <laughs> he's <Yeah>. laughing already. <laughs> we have probably one of the most high-profile people in the property industry. Is that fair, Mr. Russell Quirk from Propaganda? Propaganda PR. Well, you may well say that, but I yep. couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you're. And I, I, I sent I, I sent Russell a message yesterday, just asking mm-hmm. what words I was allowed to use in order to describe him in the introduction. And yep. we, we we debated polarizing and con- controversial and outspoken. And to be honest, you're all those Russell, but in a nice way, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm always introduced like this in terms <laughs> of controversial, opinion, you know, opinionated and outspoken. Um, I, I generally don't mean to be. Mm. I just I don't see any point really and having a kind of voice in the industry and not speaking your mind and t- telling things how they are really black and white effectively. yeah i think mm-hmm. and there's too many people particularly in the estate agency industry that either just don't have a profile they keep their heads below the parapet or even when they're asked something they're very a bit like politicians now mm. you know where they don't want to answer a question yeah, and they're very yeah. very neutral very benign and, and that doesn't really get you anywhere yeah. so you know I, I think inspiring debate and thought and hopefully genuinely that then leading to the improvement in the industry i think it's a good thing and look if i i don't know slag off countrywide in 10 minutes time uh, you might not all agree with me and certainly mm. people that are loyal to countrywide and, uh, and and work for that business will will defend themselves mm-hmm. but it opens up the conversation about how perhaps they should improve and whether they will survive and so mm. on so I, I make absolutely no apology whatsoever well that's that's, exa- that's the right answer that's exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for Russell so listen before before we get onto the lawsuits <laughs> why don't we just yeah, do you want to do a disclaimer <laughs> <laughs> just give us a quick sort of one minute background I mean, what, what is your background how did you get into property market how did you get into a state agency what 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 was it that brought you to where you are uh, today well, I, I was um, I was born into a estate agency, pretty much literally. So my my father was an estate agent, my grandfather was an estate agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I literally, I know it sounds like a cliche, but I very genuinely did grow up with it. Yeah. And you know, it didn't mean that I had to go into it, but I think when you're kind of exposed to the industry as a as a kid and as a teenager and so on, uh, as I was, and my kind of um, my siblings and my cousins, you you end up having an affinity for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I really liked it. Uh, if I'm honest, back in the kind of 70s and 80s, I mean, I left school in 84, it was generally a very lucrative business. So, look, you know, I I, I had a bit of an odd childhood, really. But while <laughs> the, the the bits that I spent with my father and my mother until they split up, and then my father and my stepmother periodically, you know, my dad and his brothers, they they had wealth. You know, they had mm. nice houses, nice cars. Did you have their own all. estate agency chain? Yeah, we, yeah, which my grandfather started in the 1950s, uh, you know, a real pioneering. You imagine being an entrepreneur in 1954 yeah. and starting your own business. It's difficult yeah. enough now, let alone then. What was the name? Um, Sorry, what was the name of it? Quirk and Partners, which okay. was... Had 
had about 14 branches yeah. across Essex and East London. Um, but by the time he died in the 70s, my father and his two brothers then spent about, we only took him about three years to ruin his <laughs> 20 years good work. Yeah. Um, and they completely messed the whole thing up. And just poor decision making? Uh, no, just didn't Greed. want to do it anymore, just sold oh, it. You know, yeah. and, and each brother that wanted to leave, you know, they had to close a third of the branches yeah, in order to take out. the money to buy them out. And it, it, it literally just destroyed the business that my grandfather started. And mm. I think that was probably one of my motivations. So I went into the family business, what was left of it in the mid-80s. Uh, my father then sold the last branch. I think I was about a year and a half into that business. Uh, and then I went and did some other things. I've been in motor trade and the city and so mm. on, but had the opportunity to buy into a traditional estate agency back in 1999. So I did that with my cousin, Anthony. And then I sold that when times got tough in 2008, nine. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that was my, I guess my, my light bulb moment uh, at, at the time um, was then the whole e-move online estate mm. agency thing, which I, I founded back in 2009. Was that the first one or one of the first no, ones? No, no, House Networks. My, my colleague now in Keller Williams, actually, Mark Reddings was the, and Graham Locke, they were the pioneers of online estate agency back in mm. 2004. Um, but actually, genuinely, when I started, when I kind of thought of the proposition and the name and kind of sat there in a Regis, in fact, an office not that different to this, really, yeah. kind of quite <laughs> small, no windows, yeah, and, and, and came up with the whole concept, the social media strategy and so on. It was, it, it, I didn't know of any other competitors at all. I, I thought I was first, but realised I wasn't. Mm. Mark and Graham were. Um, and and then, you know, I think that that business was successful in many respects for 10 years until, of course, it ran out of money and hit the wall in December last year. Well, let's talk mm-hmm. about that because obviously it's one of the things that you, you are well known for, for forming eMove and then obviously the demise of eMove. So mm. just talk us through that journey at the start. I mean, it, was it a successful model? It's very hard to penetrate any market with a new model. Um, did you did you get a lot of resistance from the old school, you know, net, Thai network yeah, where they they, they didn't some, like that? And this this is going to sound a bit silly, but there, there's an old Gandhi quote, which is first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, yeah. then you win. Yes. Well, the first three quarters of that phrase is true. <laughs> um, they definitely ignored us, then they definitely laughed at us, and then yeah. they definitely fought us. So yeah. over the first six or seven years of Emu's life, I mean, generally the first two or three years. The, the industry weren't concerned. They just thought, yeah, you're just a you know a website and you're not a threat. You're, mm-hmm, you're yeah. not ever going to be anything. A nuisance. Yeah, and, and then and I guess, look, this is where the PR thing, which I'm, I'm hopefully now fairly well known for, comes from, in that I was determined to kind of punch above my weight in terms of going out there and trying to get coverage for the eMove brand so that I could actually be seen by the consumer to be a player and to be mm-hmm. rivaling the likes of Best of Eves and Foxes and so mm. on. And, and look, that really, really worked. I mean, it took mm. two or three years. But and a lot of money, I'm guessing, to, to get No, that no, I did, we did huh? the PR ourselves, generally. We, we had three or four PR agencies at the beginning, but I found none of them could really keep up. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I hired a guy... 2014 called James Lockett, who's my co-founder in Propaganda PR now. And he and I just absolutely smashed it. I mean, mm. from 2014-15, we were getting two, about 2,000 pieces of coverage every year right. across national newspapers, broadcast, mm-hmm. Sky, you know, talk radio, LBC, BBC, the whole thing. Um, you know, we were getting more coverage than Foxton's, Knight Frank, Savills put together. Yeah. And does that, does that feed through to business and inquiries? Yeah. Or, yeah? yeah well, look, it, it does a number of things. It, it creates the impression that you're not just bigger, but that yeah. you're an entity, you're sizable, yes. you're meaningful. If the Telegraph, the Times, the Mail and City AM are talking about you and quoting you, you, you must be okay as far as the consumer's concerned. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it's a trust and credibility thing. But then, I mean, now, without kind of boring you all the technical details, the 
effect of having lots and lots of digital mentions, so our average client, for instance, is getting 50 to 60 digital mentions every month, means that Google then recognise you and your business and your website as being credible by way of what they call domain authority, which mm -hmm. means your website moves up the ranking when people search for things like best estate agent, uh, cheap estate agent, mm. estate agents Loughborough, for instance. So and, I guess you get, you like get the, better and better traffic as a result. You kind of get the rolling effect of it, don't you, in that respect? Once you start to get the the mentions, like you say, and the, the positioning with regards to, let's say, radio interviews and that side of things. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's telling Google digitally that you are a significant entity. And the mm -hmm. only way that Google know that is if you've got the BBC, the Sun, the Mirror, Talk Radio, LBC and Sky, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, sending digital messages through links mm -hmm. to Google saying, we recognize that business because we're talking about them as therefore being credible. Yep. So it, it's the, the SEO, as it's called, the search engine optimization, is almost the byproduct of the digital mentions, mm -hmm. but what an important one. I mean, if you're a business now, whether you're uh, a challenger mortgage broker like a yep. Trussell, Habito, mm -hmm. Mojo, uh, all of those businesses that are all fighting in a sack, trying to yes. find yeah. dominance as far as the consumer is concerned, or an estate agent, or a property lawyer or you're selling beans or whatever people now predominantly find things through searching online mm. if you're not seen at the top of page one somewhere you might as well not exist yeah, so yeah. the fight is for that so you can either pay for it which means so if i'm trying to find best mortgage broker i search for that uh i click on the first paid link let's say that i see let's say that's trussell that's just cost them 35 quid so that then means that Google then get a signal sent to them saying, oh, there's lots of interest in this particular key phrase. So the next time you click on it, it's 36 quid, and the next time it's 38 yeah. quid. That's mm. why Google have a revenue of 200 cost billion Trussell pounds. Money. costs Trussell a lot of money. I'll go back the and alternative, that, yeah. yeah, the alternative is, if you're clever, don't spend money on Google AdWords. Do it through SEO, so do it the natural way, because that way you sit there ranked at the top of page one free. And that's what digital PR does. So, okay. so I, I started that, just to go back to the emu thing, I started yeah. that kind of philosophy, and that, that stood us in really, really good stead. Um, and and then, yeah, look, we, we, we challenged the sector on the basis, actually incorrectly now, as I realise, we challenged the sector on the basis of fee. So we can be cheaper. The consumer's going to save a load of money. Isn't that great? The bits that we got right, the likes of Mark Reddings and I, the bits that we got right were things around the centralisation of operations, being really clever on marketing. Being able to operate an estate agency business without bricks and mortar branches yeah. that cost thirty grand expensive. a month mm. and so on. Yeah, so we got all that right, but we undersold ourselves. And of course, then Purple Bricks came along, and Easy Property. All of a sudden, there's twenty five online estate agents all, all spending five a fortune. cheaper than you. And They're all cheaper. You lose your argument. Race to the bottom. Yeah, like if yeah. your house simple, who I think are kind of minus a hundred quid or whatever. <laughs> so I think yeah, they pay you to put your house on the market yeah. now. Ludicrous. Crazy. Um, Etc. There's so much competition, all spending so much money. It all got very noisy, very cloudy. And look, it's no surprise. Emove went bust. So did House Network. Easy Property folded. Yeah. Hatch folded. I think there'll be one left. I think so, that'll mm -hmm. be Purple Bricks. So it became a race to the bottom. And and, and, and out the other side. And out the other side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did it? I mean, we're a very positive podcast. And we don't like to talk about bad news too much. But did it come quick? The the demise of Emove. Did you see it coming? Was there anything you could have done in hindsight that maybe could have changed things? Yeah. Good question. I. I it was fairly quick. I tried to persuade our board at the kind of beginning, middle of 2018 that we should pivot and just become a traditional agent in terms of what we charge. So keep the nice kind of low overheads per transaction compared to countrywide, let's say, in Foxtons because we yeah. don't have branches, but charge a full fee. 
my board were just not interested in doing really? that. So, and, and the problem is when you've got, I mean, we raised £29 million over five years, or rather I did, and a lot of that was from venture capital firms that really aren't interested in pivoting yeah. the business model. Mm-hmm. So they say, no, I've invested in you as a high-growth, disruptive, challenging digital brand. That's what I want you to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there was no interest, really. They, they'd rather just kind of turn you into a statistic, which is a third of the businesses that we invest in are going to go bust. Yeah. They just allow that to happen. And literally, you know, with no animosity at all, yeah. they kind of just, you know, pick up their bag and walk out They're and off. move on. Flick a switch and that's, that's it. That's exactly it. Mm. Yeah. Exactly it. So, okay. um, so it happened quickish. I tried to do something about it, but the ball weren't interested. And by that time, we were our overheads were half a million pounds a month. And yeah, when you've got kind a big of gap to fill, 600 grand left in the bank, well, yeah. towards the end. And it didn't help. We did a merger deal with Tepelo, uh, you know, Sarah Bean's yeah. business. And, and it, she was great, but completely kind of how can I put this, dominated, usurped, I suppose, by yeah. Richard Desmond, who was the main shareholder yeah. of that business, who actually I, I didn't find a particularly... Um, Careful what you say next. Well, he he was a man that gave us some promises that he didn't fulfil. And look, sue me if you like, Mr oh, Desmond, because oh. you know it's true, yeah. so it's all right. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true what you say, that business is like war, but without the bullets. And and it sounds like you've you've, you've been through it there. Um, yeah, I think being a startup fan, I liken it to being on a treadmill constantly, running at speed but not going anywhere, yeah. with people throwing rocks at you. Yeah, that's what good being analogy. a startup fan does. Good, like. good. Anyway, look, you, th- you threw that, you threw that, Russell. Um, you did mention very quickly there, purple bricks, and you think they may be the sole survivor of that online, um, on that, that online model. But they've had they've had some bad press themselves of late. Things aren't mm. quite as purple or rosy as, you, as as they maybe thought they They've were. They've lost their colour. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, that's a good one. <laughs> that's like um, propaganda. Um, <laughs> what, uh, where do you see the future of a state agency? Crucially, that, that I think that's crucial. A lot of people want to know what, what does Russell Quirk think? Having seen both sides of it and mm. you've been through both sides, and that's the key wh- I have, where are we going to yeah. be in five years' time, do you think? So, look, I, I think there will be an online proposition and I think it will probably be purple. Which they're the only ones now that have not, not so much the money but they have the brand dominance. They mm-hmm. have the brand and superiority because of all the money they've spent on TV. I mean, they've got something like a 65% prompted brand awareness, which is huge. It's right up there. And that TV yeah. advertising can do that for you, Yeah, can't but it? it's ridiculous expensive. Yeah. I mean, that's the consequence of spending, whatever, 40 million quid, yeah. probably 40 yeah. million quid on TV. So I think they'll survive, but they'll have a 6 7 8% market share only. I think there'll be some really good local independent branch-related estate agents left. I, I, I do fear for the big corporates. So the likes of Connells, who are actually probably the best estate agent in the country, I think, really? actually, in terms of their profitability their mm. unit economics i mean they 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 don't seem to have wavered much but i think i don't think they can stand the kind of the storm forever um but ultimately the 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 weaker ones like countrywide very famously who are kind of on their me on their knees and mm. beyond uh, lsl who announced not 3 4 months ago they're going to close half their branches foxtons that are closing branches left right and center mm-hmm. the the big corporate guys with those those huge overheads without any innovation without utilizing you know clever operational centralization and Technology. Those guys are going to have big, big problems. I, I generally think, and look, I declare an interest here because I'm an investor in a Keller Williams market centre. The the hub type approach now, which is dominated by Keller Williams, is by far the biggest, is the biggest real estate business in the world. Um, but then the likes of Humberts, EXP, uh, Agent and Home, New Home, the 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 kind of utopia I think is an ultra personal service where you're literally all over the client mm. almost 24/7 and they can be all over you charging a full fee on yeah, completion as a percentage mm-hmm. but without branch related overheads Support, yeah. that that is sustainable a because I think it's more what the client wants it's more of a US model in terms of the the old, mm. you know the, the whole service thing but 
the overheads are substantially lower, which means that you can survive the kind of peaks and troughs of the cyclicality of the property yeah. market. That, that I think, is the future. Um, I, I think estate agency flips in the next months and years to something that's much more about the personal brand of the individual agent, yeah. uh, where that individual agent can go and earn 100 grand at Keller Williams, for instance, rather than earning 40 grand at Best Ease, Foxtons yeah. or Beresford's. Well, yeah. I think broken is very similar to that. I think that's the way the broken will go. It will, it will, mm. it will, uh, it will take the best bits of technology. But I think it is. But keep I mean, the human that, being there. For instance, I mean, Paul Clark that I know well that runs City Mortgage Solutions with Gary Cox and Gary uh, Gorilovich. I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. And that's what they've been doing for 10 years. You mm. know, 25 brokers. They're the hub. They provide the brand and the compliance. And those guys go out and write business and yeah. take the biggest chunk of the commission. It's exactly the same as the Keller model. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the property market like at the moment, do you think, Russell? Um, it, it's surprisingly resilient. Mm. I mean, you look at what's happened over the last two or three years politically, uh, it should be on its... It should be dead. Um, <laughs> you know, we should have seen transactions at almost Plummet. zero and house mm. prices uh, plummeting, but that hasn't happened. You know, the latest numbers from the likes of the Nationwide Halifax and, uh, and and the ONS are that house prices are still actually slightly higher than last year. Certainly, about seven eight percent higher than before the EU referendum. Transactions have dropped. London's a problem, but London yeah. is always peaks and troughs. Yeah, so yeah absolutely. I, I, I'm looking forward genuinely to what I'm terming a post Brexit bounce. Yeah, I, I think, think we all are. Twenty twenty is going to be great. I think there's plenty of oxygen in the blood. It just it just yeah, needs to go around the body a bit more. Sentiment's the problem, and yeah. of course, political uncertainty means negative sentiment. Yeah. yeah. Quick, quick. Sorry. Yeah. So, with regards to moving on to propaganda PR, hmm. um, what are your aims, and what types of clients? Do you currently work with on that front? Oh, good question about aims, because, you know, I'm not sure. I have this debate with James, my co-founder, all the time about, look, do we go big, like we did at eMove, where we kind of try and onboard 10 new clients a month and uh, have a huge office and lots of people? Or do we stay as we are now, where we hover around 10 to 12 clients? There's three of us, plus some freelancers that we bring in periodically to help mm-hmm. us with writing and research. But predominantly, it's myself, James, and uh, Dr. Alex, our head of research. Um, I'm quite comfortable with the latter on the basis that... Uh, I, I suppose I'm still once bitten, twice shy in terms mm-hmm. of the whole emu thing. Uh, but I, I'm actually being encouraged by lots of people that we should spread further across the industry and that we should actually potentially look at other verticals. But typical clients are estate agents, letting agents, prop tech firms, startups, lettings platforms, co-working spaces, mortgage brokers, conveyances, yeah. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's a really good mix now. And where, where do we find you? Uh, so I'm pretty easy to find. You can <laughs> slag me off on Twitter uh, at, at Russell Quirk uh, or on LinkedIn, which uh, is a pretty popular medium for me. Propaganda is at propaganda.pr and it's spelled P-R-O-P-E-R-G-A-N-D-A.pr. Okay, brilliant. L- last quick question, uh, mm. Russell. Did, can you ever see Russell Quirk getting back into traditional estate agency? Or is this your, is this your future for you now? Well, I, I have with Keller. I mean, I, I don't run... Keller day to day. Mark Reddings runs Keller Williams Essex, but I'm I'm fairly active. I'm yeah. kind of involved. Um, I, I just think we've got to get away from the label of what's online, what's yeah. hybrid, yeah. what's you know traditional, whatever. Uh, I mean, I know in the industry it's easy to talk about those different labels because they're they're definitive. I, I just think it's all about the consumer, and if the consumer wants great service and good performance, and they certainly seem to be willing to pay for it, then then just do that. So I think whatever that looks like in the yeah. future, whatever label is the way it's going to go. All right, fantastic. That's great, Russell. Last last proper question. Mm-hmm. Top five albums of all time. 
No best ofs, no mm. compilations. Yeah, no best ofs, no compilations. Um, yeah, I might have to cheat. Yeah. I was going to say anything by Head Candy, which I suppose they are compilations as such, but Head Candy, obviously, they, they're mixing their own we'll stuff. So we'll it, is their, it is their stuff. Um, anything by The Beatles, so Please Please Me, good yeah. album. Um, good Parallel Lines, Blondie, showing yeah. my age here, 70s. Yeah, well. Out of the Blue, ELO, was my mum's favourite band. Mm. Um, and What's the Story, Morning Glory from Oasis. Ah, okay, not an Oasis yet. Across That's the good decades, I mean, if you're going to go for an Oasis one, you're going to go for that one, that aren't one you? I think. Yeah, yeah. Good cool. choice, Russell. Thank you very much. Great episode. Look forward to the lawyer's letters coming straight to the airbox. <laughs> Quick, switch the phones off. Um, thanks very much, Russell. That's brilliant. Um, if you'd like to come on to the show as a guest or you'd like to nominate somebody who may be interested, please get in contact with us through our Twitter feed, which is at the LM Experience. And we will be back with you soon with more episodes. Thank you, Russell. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party. And your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it. Mm-hmm.